0: COVID-19 situation is putting pressure on the supply chain. So we're spending a lot of our time talking with our suppliers, talking with the transport companies, just making sure that we're going to have everything ready when our customers need it.
1: I do think we're going to be stronger. We're going to be better at the end of this, but there's going to be a lot of pain in between. All of us from time to time are going to get a little overwhelmed. So reach out to those that can help and know that the NCGA is working on your behalf.
2: Hello and welcome to Wherever John May Roam, the National Corn Growers Association podcast. This is where leaders, growers, and stakeholders in the corn industry can turn for big-picture conversations about the state of the industry and its future. I'm Dusty Weiss, and I'll be introducing your host, Association CEO, John Doggett. You can join John every month as he travels the country on a mission to advocate for America's corn farmers. From the fields of the Corn Belt to the D.C. Beltway, we'll make sure that the growers who feed America have a say in the issues that are important to them with key leaders who are shaping the future of agriculture. This week, we thought it would be appropriate to discuss how growers are preparing to plant in the midst of concerns over the COVID-19 coronavirus. If you haven't yet, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in your favorite app. That way, you can take us with you in your truck or your tractor and never miss an update from John. Also, make sure to follow the NCGA on Twitter at National Corn and sign up for the National Corn Growers Association newsletter in your email at ncga.com. And with that, it's time to once again introduce John. John Doggett, the CEO of the National Corn Growers Association. John, the phrase that I keep seeing everywhere is, what a year this week has been. But this COVID-19 coronavirus situation is changing almost hourly at this point which is part of the reason that we saw a need to do a special
1: edition of the podcast and put it out right away well you're right and, and you know dusty it was just a it seems like it was a what a month or two ago that we were having the conversation about boy isn't it going to be great we can turn the calendar away from 2019 and we're going to be in 2020 and things are going to be a lot more normal this year well how's that working out and uh, as you as you said things are changing hourly we want to get this podcast up soon, but, you know, by the time we do, uh, things will probably have changed again. I think the thing that we have seen over the last few days is this thing is really serious and uh, we need to be very cautious about what we're, what we're doing as individuals. Uh, all of our staffs are uh, working from home. Uh, most of the growers I'm talking to are uh, avoiding social contact, which is a little easier for them than, than some of the rest of us. But um, one of the things NCGA has done is that uh, we've put together a task force uh, of growers uh, and state and national staff to surface the concerns, talk about what's going on. Uh, are there things that we can address? Are there things that are possible for our organization with others to alleviate some of the concerns and the, and the problems out there? Lord knows there's, there's plenty of those. So I'm going to give everyone a, an email address. And I'm going to give it again uh, later on. But if you have a concern or something that you want uh, your organization to look at, please email us at coronavirusinput. That's all one word, coronavirusinput at ncga.com. And uh, that email is monitored all the time. So uh, we will be looking to uh, hear from folks uh, out in the countryside as to what's going on in their community and on their farm give us some suggestions or just let us know what's going on with with you and and your family and your farm. So with that said, you know, we have planters running in in the southern states. Every farmer I've talked to is getting ready to get in the fields, get a crop in, going to have 93, 94, 95 million acres of corn. And one of the things that we keep hearing from farmers is, are we going to have enough inputs? And so Ah, uh, we're going to have that discussion today, and and I'm really happy to have Mike Frank, who's the president and CEO of Nutrien Ag Solutions. Mike, welcome.
0: Good morning. It's good to be with you.
1: So, Mike, I think a lot of folks in in the country are are aware of your company and what they do, but maybe not under the new name. So, tell us about Nutrien.
0: Yeah, John, Nutrien is still a fairly new name in in uh, agriculture. We merged two companies back in January of 2018, so just over two years ago, a company called Agrium and a company called Potash Corp. And so those two companies merged together to create Nutrien. Uh, we're the world's largest producer of fertilizer. We produce about 25 million metric tons of fertilizer each year, NPK. And, and then we also have a uh, the world's largest network of agricultural retail uh, branches. We have about 2,000 branches that we operate in seven countries. Uh, we're we're located. Our retail business is is uh, headquartered uh, in Colorado, just north of Denver, and we've we have just under a thousand retail branches across the the U.S. And so the U.S. is our number one market. And of course, as you said, this is a busy time of the year, and so we're getting ready to lean into it.
1: And Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I noticed that you uh, you pronounce uh, about uh, slightly different than the rest of us.
0: <laughs> uh, thanks for that, John. Well, that's probably because I was born in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, grew up on a farm. It was a mixed farm, mostly grain, but we had livestock as well. And I uh, spent my whole career in agriculture. Worked for Monsanto for about 25 years, and I've been over with Nutrien now for about uh, two and a half years. I've lived in the U.S. for the last 20 years or so, so I'm technically a dual citizen and I guess I still have the Canadian about.
1: Okay, well you you and I were practically neighbors uh, growing up. Me in Montana and you in Saskatchewan, uh, in that part of the world, that's being neighborly.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So,
1: so Mike, latest USDA estimates uh, is that farmers are going to plant 94 million acres of corn. From your perspective and from your company's perspective, Are we going to have everything we need to get that crop in the ground?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the quick answer to that question, John, is yes. Uh, The way things sit right now, I mean, um, when we think about fertilizer and seed, for us, all of that is really domestically or sourced from North America. So we, you know, our seed order book has been really strong with corn. Um, We're up uh, in, I would say, in the teens from a uh, year over year basis in our in our corn seed bookings. And so that would um, kind of line up with uh, the idea that there's going to be you know, somewhere between, we would say 93 to 95 million acres of corn planted. Um, the fertilizer is mostly in our warehouses. We probably have about 80% of uh, the fertilizer we need that's already uh, in our warehouses, ready to, uh, to serve our customers. And uh, the crop protection side is also well in hand. So the quick answer is yes. That being said, I mean, going back to where you and Dusty started, obviously the COVID-19 situation uh, is putting pressure uh, on the supply chain. So we're spending a lot of our time uh, talking with our suppliers, talking with the transport companies, just making sure that we're going to have everything ready when our customers need it.
1: So should farmers have a concern if they don't have their inputs in the shed or... How much of that input supply uh, is is on the farm now versus you know, in your warehouses?
0: Yeah, so I would say farmers should not be concerned. Most of the product is still in, in our warehouses. Now, as you said, um, in the South, uh, planting has already started. So most of the seed, a lot of the fertilizer is already on the ground in the South. There are some areas where it's been really wet. And so we've been delayed in, in a few areas in the South uh, versus kind of normal. In the Midwest, you know, the this, this season obviously hasn't really started. We've gotten a bit of fertilizer down when we've had windows open up. Um, I would say a lot of the seed is is moved out or is moving out. You know, this is the time of the year where normally we move seed uh, to the farm. It takes pressure off uh, the, the system later in the year when farmers are, are getting fertilizer and crop protection products out. And so, you know, we're we're busy getting seed delivered. Most of our customers have uh, storage facilities, and so that that works really well again from a fertilizer standpoint you know we're we're ready once the ground dries up and warms up, we're ready to get fertilizer out there and so um, you know and and of course it's bulky most of our customers don't have storage for fertilizer or for bulk chemicals and, and you know even a lot of that we custom apply ourselves you know close to half of what we sell, especially in the midwest uh, we custom apply ourselves and so no uh, our customers, uh, and I would say growers in general don't need to be worried about getting access, you know, to products that they need to get their crop in and get the inputs on the ground this year.
1: Well, you know, certainly social distancing is, is a lot easier for farmers than, than most of the rest of us, as we we said earlier. But when you have custom applicators coming out to, to apply, uh, your products, what are you telling your, your, field reps and your applicators uh, and the folks that are interacting with, with farmers, what are you telling them? And what, what protections have you put in place for them and and for that farmer?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, so firstly, I think it's important for everyone to know that, um, you know, we're, we're open for business. Our, our hours are, are as they normally would be. And so we haven't in any way, um, you know, looked at uh, changing the hours of operation, uh, in our branches, we're we're being very careful to make sure that our employees are social distancing, and so we're not we're not bringing them together for meetings or discussions. Even things like the lunchroom, uh, we're no longer having uh, group lunches. You know, often as you you probably know, John, the uh, the retail store you know is an area where sometimes our customers congregate and catch up over a coffee uh, in the morning. And you know, of course, we've cut all that out, and so. You know, we've asked uh, our employees and our customers to really respect the fact that we do need to keep a social distance right now, and and I would say that part's going really well. The other thing we've done at our branches is we've said no visitors, and so no supplier reps. Um, you know, no one else that isn't an employee or a customer is allowed on the branch. Now we do have a lot of inbound freight at this time of the year, and so. We're uh, we're asking truck drivers when they come onto our sites not to get out of their vehicles, um, you know. So we're unloading the the, the freight and uh, then they're on their way. And so we're being very careful at our branches to make sure that um, you know we don't have an issue at a, at a branch. And we're following CDC advice on that. In the field, like you said, John, a lot of our products are custom applied, so we do have people coming out and applying. Again, they're they're going to be sitting in a fertilizer spreader or a, a sprayer. And so it it would be unusual for them anyways to have probably contact uh, with with our customers. And so, um, you know, I would say that's going uh, as per normal. You know, what what we're really trying to work through is how do we continue to service our customers with our sales agronomists? We have about 4000 sales agronomists across the U.S. And, you know, normally what they do is they spend their time in in the pickup and calling on our customers and really helping our customers make those decisions in the field. And so what we've asked them to do is, is firstly, you know, wherever possible, um, use digital tools. And so if you're going to call on one of our customers to call ahead and and make sure that that's going to be okay, when you get on the farm, keep a social distance, don't do do the things that we normally do, like shake hands. Um, And so we're just, you know, really being uh, conscientious about stuff like that. And, and then you know, today, John, we, we've we got digital tools. And so our customers and our sales agronomists can put orders uh, in online. Um, it's not like it used to be in the past where they have to come into the branch or, um, you know, even call the orders in. We, we now have a, a digital platform where customers can pay bills online. They can look at all of their account information. Um, a lot of our customers now plan their whole farm field by field in the digital tool. And so when it comes time to get the seed or the fertilizer, they simply go to their their phone or their desktop and uh, put the order in. And so it's actually changing. And I think this uh, COVID-19 situation, what we've seen is that it's actually accelerated the use of digital tools. Let me just give you an example. In the second half of last year, about 20% of all of our uh, orders for crop protection products came in, I would call it digitally and 80% were done the more traditional way in the first two and a half, almost three months of this year, we're running at about 40% of all of our orders are now coming in digitally. And so we are seeing a change in behavior. We are seeing our salespeople, our sales agronomists and our customers being more interested in pulling out the digital tools and conducting that business that way too, you know, if, if, and when they want to
1: and that that change is going to is going to continue you know what a what a time we live in where um you know I, I was i was thinking about my dad the other day just imagine what what his career in agriculture would have been like with with all these uh, digital tools and uh, you know it's just really kind of amazing what we can do now yeah the flip side of that is is that we're we're maybe too connected and uh, we're watching too much news and we're seeing too many uh, things, uh, on, on the internet that, uh, maybe we ought to shut it off occasionally, but it is nice to have those tools. Yeah.
0: Look, I think John, you're right. And what we found is, you know, some, some of our customers, you know, pick them up and, and they love them. And, and of course we have customers that want to do business more traditionally and that, and that's fine with us as well. Um, but like you said, I think, you know, in times like this, having the options to be able to do business, you know, with, with new technology and do it more virtually, I, I think the feedback we're getting uh, when our customers go online and actually use the tools they're they're surprised at a couple things one there's more information there than just um, you know product information and pricing information or account information. there's also market information there's there's field by field weather information there's information that tells you whether you should be you know spraying or not in that field at that moment in time. And then, of course, there's the, uh, the the product stuff. And so, yeah, I think like a lot of the world, once um, you know, once people get onto a digital tool, they actually find it's a bit more convenient. Now, look, in agriculture, this is still a relationship business, and our relationships with our customers, you know, are are the most important thing that that we value and and keeping their trust, and and that's that's never going to change. And so, we still think having an agronomist that knows our customers, knows their fields knows what our customers are trying to achieve in terms of maximizing yield or maximizing return on investment or minimizing risk, maximizing sustainability. These are the conversations that can't really be done digitally. These are things that we have to talk through with our customers and then talk about, you know, what are the field by field and product by product options that a farmer can use uh, to achieve their objectives in the field.
1: Well, and imagine what it's going to look like 10 years from now. Mike, any bottlenecks out there? Uh, you know, we're hearing from from some folks uh, the bottleneck is in getting stuff up the river, or getting the trucking needed, or the railroads needed, or or just the uh, you know the small molecules to make the bigger molecules. Any particular bottlenecks that that are starting to concern you?
0: Yeah, you know, let let's maybe take you know fertilizer and crop protection chemicals separately. So when when we think about fertilizer. Obviously the river systems are, are, are full again right now. Um, you know, barges are moving and, uh, which is good. Um, and it was, it was really this time last year that we've got, we got all those flooding rains that really did stop the river system and, you know, created bottlenecks, uh, you know, f- especially for a fertilizer that was moving up and down the river and, and grain. What we do is most of our fertilizers actually move by rail so we don't rely on the river systems uh, maybe as much um as as maybe others do which isn't right or wrong we we just have a a, a pretty extensive uh rail system and and investments in uh rail cars and so again w- you know when we think about getting 94 or so million acres of corn planted there's still a lot of fertilizer to get down i mean if you think about how last fall played out, it in for a lot of the corn belt, it we did get more fertilizer down than we did the year before. But in the north, like in the, in the Dakotas, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, those states they got winter early, and the winter never left. And so we really didn't get any fall uh, work done up there. And so we still have a lot of fertilizer to get on the ground. But you know, generally, as long as we don't get another uh, Rain event like we did this time last year, then you know we don't see a bottleneck uh, on the river system right now. And and again, we move most of our fertilizer via rail cars. Now, crop protection is interesting. So there there definitely is a lot of crop protection products that get made in China, um, or there's um, you know uh, certain components that go into uh, products that maybe get formulated or or largely manufactured in Europe or the U.S. That also rely on on China for some of the supply chain. You know, when we look at what we sell here in the U.S., uh, we think that there's probably close to eighty percent of all the crop protection products that we sell that have a component or more that comes from China. Now, over the last couple of years, and it probably really started with the, the the tariff war with China here. You know, we and and our suppliers have really started to diversify. I think away from China wherever we can. Um, so we now have more uh, products that uh, we're sourcing that don't have a China link, um, which I think that's the trend right now. And I think it's, the trend is going to continue. But, you know, we're, we're not there yet. And so we, we do still rely on China for a lot of the crop protection products that ultimately get sprayed on fields across uh, North America. Uh, you know, again, when, when I think about the, uh, the rest of this crop year, We have about 95% of all of our needs already procured. We've got a lot of that sitting in our warehouses and we're talking every day to our big suppliers, you know, Bayer, Syngenta, Corteva, BSF, FMC, um, and others. And, you know, and at this point in time, none of them are indicating, uh, issues with supply chain or transportation. Um, so uh, again, at this point in time, we feel good about the rest of this spring. And really, you know, in, in through the summer and, you know, the insect and, and the plant health season, you know, we think that we've got, um, you know, a supply chain that that's going to hold up. Now, of course, what's critical is that trucks still are allowed to go down the road across uh, North America. And, uh, you know, it's been good to see, you know, when, when even in states and areas where they've had shelter in place orders, um, agriculture has been called out as an essential industry. Uh we all of us who to support farmers and serve farmers know that that what they do is essential. Uh, and it's been really good to see that, you know, governments around the world and here in the US uh are calling this out as an essential service. Um so you know, even if I think if the COVID-19 thing continues to evolve and if, even if this thing uh I think tightens up a bit more over the coming weeks provided that we get the designation of being an essential service uh, and that transport trucks are able to go down the road, then uh, we'll be able to, to serve our customers throughout the spring and summer.
1: It's interesting you mentioned uh, the trucking and and we were on a, a call yesterday with our states and uh, a lot of them are are working with their state governments, uh, their governors to get those designations. Uh, and so far it seems that uh, state and local Governments have been very willing to to make exceptions for uh, agriculture and to, to keep the trucks rolling and to keep other things moving along. Uh, I was on a, a call yesterday with the Secretary uh, of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, and uh, with a couple hundred other people, uh, and that was one of the things that, that he was mentioning, and And uh, USDA is working with uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation to make sure those trucks are rolling, so you know that's that's going to be great just we have to see how many people get sick and and uh, and that's a real concern as well so but mike you know we we've been talking in in agriculture in, in recent years about resiliency and uh, a lot of that is resiliency on the farm in in the form of of soil health and to make our uh, our production practices more resilient to uh, significant changes in in weather patterns or, or whatever. What kind of resiliency are you looking at in building in your company, not just for 2020, but for 2021, 2022? Are you starting to look at, at things that you're going to be doing differently? Uh, you mentioned some of the, the issues about uh, sourcing material from someplace other than China, but what other actions are you taking for the next two, three, four, five years?
0: You know, one of the trends that we see is emerging is food companies and consumers. You know, they they want to know more about what's going on at the farm, and and there's an interest in having you know more traceability in this food supply, and and the grain that's going you know from the farm uh, out of the field and into and the food company. And so, again, and, and you know, we we're using digital tools to make this easier, and not only. Um, having an ability, you know, where our customers can, especially if our customers can get a premium from uh, a a specific food company. And so we're working in particular with AB InBev and PepsiCo and ADM and General Mills. And where they have premium products where they want to know, you know, what's happened in the field so that they can make a claim around sustainability. uh, We're helping connect those supply chains and we're doing it, uh, you know, in conjunction with our customers and those food companies and and we're kind of in between and and uh we we think that we can play a role you know so whether it's uh traceability or even carbon sequestration um you know we we see this as an emerging trend again as you said over the next three to five years where um the retail industry i think can be an enabler to actually help our customers uh create value on their farm by uh, leaning into these these trends. I think you know one of the other big areas that we're focused on and we I mentioned it before is really around supply chain and um, you know we we think that the agricultural supply chain on the input side can get even more efficient you know And, and the way we think about it is if we're inefficient on our supply chain that creates no value for our customers and so we're working really hard to look at our our entire network of retail branches and warehouses, and we're working with our suppliers, and we're thinking about you know a product being produced in a manufacturing, uh, in chemical manufacturing plant somewhere, all the way to the field, and how can we ensure that the journey that that product takes from the chemical plant to the field is as efficient as it can be? It has as few touches. And um, and so we're we're spending a lot of time and uh, and making investments in in our supply chain in in distribution transportation logistics, and we think that's going to benefit our, our customers as well. And 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 lastly, I would also just say I think the digital era in agricultural retail uh, and agricultural in, in general is just emerging. And so whether it's tools to help our customers make agronomy decisions or or a tool that creates convenience by ordering or paying online, I think these tools are going to continue to mature and in the future they're going to become even more prevalent and more value adding for our customers. And that's what we're focused on in, in terms of how can we do that and, and we're making investments to try and get to that outcome.
1: It sounds like you have a long road ahead uh, and you have it pretty well mapped out. So Mike, what advice or what would you want to tell farmers that are listening to this podcast about what we haven't talked about yet?
0: <laughs> well, look, I mean, most importantly, I just want to thank, firstly, the National Corn Growers Association. The work you guys do has a huge impact. And just like we're talking right now, making sure that um, agriculture is deemed an essential service in, you know, working with the administration and, and policymakers on on other important policy uh, areas from from ethanol to you know a number of issues that impact farmers every day, and so you know I, I do want to thank NCGA and John the work that you and and all the grower leaders do to enable that, and for for the farmers that every day are are, are working hard, you know, feeding the planet, uh, being as efficient as they can be, um, you know, we just appreciate what what they do, and again, it's just an honor to serve them, and we're not sitting still. But we also know we don't have all the answers. And so we we look forward to getting input from our customers uh, and our non-customers in terms of what can we be doing better to really serve their needs. A- agriculture is incredibly dynamic. Um, it was dynamic before COVID-19 and it's probably even more dynamic now. And so uh, we we want to be agile and, uh, and we want to serve our customers. And, and again, I just want to thank them for what they do.
1: Well, thank you, Mike, for being such a, a good partner. You and your company have been great to work with. And and uh, no matter where our staff has touched your company, uh, we've always had a, a good relationship. And, and we really appreciate, appreciate you uh, being on the podcast today. Uh, before we go, what are you reading?
0: <laughs> what am I reading? Well, these days I'm probably reading too many emails. Um, but, you know, so the most recent book I read was a book, about a railroader whose name was Hunter Harrison, uh, an American railroader who really transformed the railroad industry across North America, and and quite a controversial figure. Um, I, I love reading about business leaders, and his story was was really really interesting. So that was my most recent read.
1: Well, again, Mike, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and thank your staff uh, for working with our staff and and getting this all put together. Uh, we really really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure, John. Thank, thanks for hosting this and having me on today. Take care.
2: So, John, just as uh, we're wrapping up what was really a fantastic conversation there between you and Mike, do you have any final thoughts for your listeners, a lot of whom are going out into the fields right now with perhaps more uncertainty than they've had in a generation, and, and that's saying something.
1: You know, it really is, and and um, I think we, we heard it from from Mike a couple times, uh, and that is we're going to be stronger at the other side of this current situation how long it's going to occur and how difficult it's going to be no one knows but i I do think and my my long history with american agriculture is uh, we're going to be stronger we're going to be better at the end of this uh, but there's going to be a lot of pain in between so uh, the national corn growers association is is working hard to address the issues that are out there Uh, We do have a task force, and we're going to be meeting a lot. The staff is meeting a lot. We're talking to farmers every single day, almost all day long. And again, the the email address that that I gave earlier, coronavirusinput at ncga.com. If you have an issue or a concern, a problem, suggestion, a compliment, and we will even accept uh, complaints. At that email address, and, and we're going to be watching that uh, all the time. But we've weathered a lot of, of challenges in the past. Anybody that lived through uh, 2019 uh, has to be pretty strong. But you know, everybody's in this country is under a, a lot of stress, as is everybody around the world. Uh, this virus has people afraid, uh, concerned. Uh, a lot of people have been feeling pretty isolated. Uh, so as we've mentioned uh, a number of times, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not alone. If you're feeling stressed or anxious, you're not alone. Uh, And if that starts to get to you, reach out to a friend or a family member. Reach out to a clergyman. Uh, Give your doctor a call. Uh, There's a lot of hotlines you can call. You're not alone. All of us, to one degree or another, are feeling all these things. And uh, all of us, from time to time, are going to get a little overwhelmed. So reach out to those that can help and uh, know that the NCGA is working on your behalf. Appreciate you listening to the podcast. My name is John Doggett. I'm the CEO of the National Corn Growers Association. I look forward to talking to you again soon on Wherever John May Roam, the NCGA podcast.
2: That is going to wrap up this edition of Wherever John May Roam, the National Corn Growers Association podcast. New episodes arrive monthly, so make sure you subscribe in your favorite podcast app and join us again soon. Visit ncga.com to learn more or sign up for the association's newsletter in your email. Wherever John May Rome is brought to you by the National Corn Growers Association and produced by PodCamp Media, branded podcast production for businesses, podcampmedia.com. For the National Corn Growers Association, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.